a story with me Love who you want to be, who you are Learn these lessons and we'll go far It's story time Story time Story time with Mama G Hello everybody, it's Mama G here And you are listening to Story Time with Mama G. Thank you ever so much for joining me for another episode of this glorious podcast. And also, I hope you are enjoying your new year. It's got off to a terribly interesting start, hasn't it? I think as far as the uh, 2021st season of this TV program we're living in is going, it's uh, going to be very exciting. And I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Uh, well, of course, one thing that can definitely happen is you can carry on enjoying these lovely episodes of my podcast and you can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast wherever you listen. Uh, you can also review and rate the podcast on whichever app you use. And don't forget, most importantly, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. Just search for at Stories. But without further ado, I do believe... It is time for chapter six of The Canterville Ghost by Oscar Wilde. Now, we left chapter five. Virginia had just gone away with the ghost, thinking that she might be able to solve the ghost problem and also the ghost's problem because we have discovered that the ghost is haunting Canterville Chase because he is unhappy. And Virginia thinks that she can help. About ten minutes later, the bell rang for tea, and as Virginia did not come down, Mrs. Otis sent up one of the footmen to tell her. After a little time, he returned and said that he could not find Miss Virginia anywhere. As she was in the habit of going out to the garden every evening to get flowers for the dinner table, Mrs. Otis was not at all alarmed at first. But when six o'clock struck and Virginia did not appear, she became really agitated and sent the boys out to look for her, while she herself and Mr. Otis searched every room in the house. At half-past six, the boys came back and said that they could find no trace of their sister anywhere. They were all now in the greatest state of excitement and did not know what to do, when Mr. Otis suddenly remembered that, some few days before, he had given a band of gypsies permission to camp in the park. He accordingly at once set off for Blackfell Hollow, where he knew they were, accompanied by his eldest son and two of the farm servants. The little Duke of Cheshire, who was perfectly frantic with anxiety, begged hard to be allowed to go too, but Mr Otis would not allow him, as he was afraid there might be a scuffle. On arriving at the spot, however, he found that the gypsies had gone and it was evident that their departure had been rather sudden, as the fire was still burning and some plates were lying on the grass. 
Having sent off Washington and the two men to scour the district, he ran home and dispatched telegrams to all the police inspectors in the county, telling them to look out for a little girl who had been kidnapped by tramps or gypsies. He then ordered his horse to be brought round and, after insisting on his wife and the three boys sitting down to dinner, rode off down the Ascot Road with a groom. He had hardly, however, gone a couple of miles when he heard somebody galloping after him and, looking round, saw the little duke coming up on his pony with his face very flushed and no hat. "'I'm awfully sorry, Mr Otis,' gasped out the boy, but I can't eat any dinner as long as Virginia is lost. Please don't be angry with me. If you had let us be engaged last year, there would never have been all this trouble. You won't send me back, will you? I can't go. I won't go. The minister could not help smiling at the handsome young scapegrace, and was a good deal touched at his devotion to Virginia. So, leaning down from his horse, he patted him kindly on the shoulders and said, Well, Cecil, if you won't go back, I suppose you must come with me. But I must get you a hat at Ascot. Oh, bother my hat! I want Virginia! cried the little duke, laughing, and they galloped on to the railway station. There Mr. Otis inquired of the stationmaster if anyone answering to the description of Virginia had been seen on the platform, but could get no news of her. The stationmaster, however, wired up and down the line and assured him that a strict watch would be kept for her, and, after having bought a hat for the little duke from a linen draper who was just putting up his shutters, Mr Otis rode off to Bexley, a village about four miles away, which he was told was a well-known haunt of the gypsies, as there was a large common next to it. Here they roused up the rural policeman, but could get no information from him, and after riding all over the common they turned their horses' heads homewards and reached the chase about eleven o'clock, dead tired and almost heartbroken. They found Washington and the twins waiting for them at the gatehouse with lanterns as the avenue was very dark. Not the slightest trace of Virginia had been discovered. The gypsies had been caught on Brockley Meadows, but she was not with them and they had explained their sudden departure by saying that they had mistaken the date of Chawton Fair and had gone off in a hurry for fear they might be late. Indeed, they had been quite distressed at hearing of Virginia's disappearance, as they were very grateful to Mr Otis for having allowed them to camp in his park, and four of their number had stayed behind to help in the search. The carp pond had been dragged and the whole chase thoroughly gone over, but without any result. It was evident that, for that night at any rate, Virginia was lost to them, and it was in a state of the deepest depression that Mr Otis and the boys walked up to the house, the groom following behind with the two horses and the pony. In the hall they found a group of frightened servants, and lying on a sofa in the library was poor Mrs Otis, almost out of her mind with terror and anxiety, and having her forehead bathed with eau de cologne by the old housekeeper. Mr Otis at once insisted on her having something to eat, and ordered up supper for the whole party. It was a melancholy meal, as hardly anyone spoke, and even the twins were awestruck and subdued, as they were very fond of their sister. When they had finished, 
Mr. Otis, in spite of the entreaties of the little duke, ordered them all to bed, saying that nothing more could be done that night, and that he would telegraph in the morning to Scotland Yard for some detectives to be sent down immediately. Just as they were passing out of the dining room, midnight began to boom from the clock tower, and when the last stroke sounded, they heard a crash and a sudden shrill cry. A dreadful peal of thunder shook the house. A strain of unearthly music floated through the air. A panel at the top of the staircase flew back with a loud noise, and out on the landing, looking very pale and white, with a little casket in her hand, stepped Virginia. In a moment they had all rushed up to her. Mrs. Otis clasped her passionately in her arms. The Duke smothered her with violent kisses, and the twins executed a wild war dance around the group. "'Good heavens! Child, where have you been?' said Mr. Otis rather angrily, thinking that she had been playing some foolish trick on them. "'Cecil and I have been riding all over the country looking for you, and your mother has been frightened to death. You must never play these practical jokes any more!' "'Except on the ghost! Except on the ghost!' shrieked the twins as they capered about. "'My own darling, thank God you are found. You must never leave my side again,' murmured Mrs. Otis, as she kissed the trembling child and smoothed the tangled gold of her hair. "'Papa,' said Virginia quietly, "'I have been with the ghost. He is dead, and you must come and see him.' He had been very wicked, but he was really sorry for all that he had done, and he gave me this box of beautiful jewels before he died. The whole family gazed at her in mute amazement, but she was quite grave and serious, and, turning round, she led them through the opening in the wainscoting down a narrow secret corridor, Washington following with a lighted candle which he had caught up from the table. Finally, they came to a great oak door, studded with rusty nails. When Virginia touched it, it swung back on its heavy hinges, and they found themselves in a little low room with a vaulted ceiling and one tiny grated window. Embedded in the wall was a huge iron ring, and chained to it was a gaunt skeleton that was stretched out at full length on the stone floor and seemed to be trying to grasp with its long fleshless fingers an old-fashioned trencher and ewer that were placed just out of its reach. The jug had evidently been once filled with water, as it was covered inside with green mould. There was nothing on the trencher but a pile of dust. Virginia knelt down beside the skeleton and, folding her little hands together, began to pray silently, while the rest of the party looked on in wonder at the terrible tragedy whose secret was now disclosed to them. "'Hello!' suddenly exclaimed one of the twins, who had been looking out of the window to try and discover in what wing of the house the room was situated. "'Hello! The old withered almond tree has blossomed. I can see the flowers quite plainly in the moonlight!' God has forgiven him, said Virginia gravely, as she rose to her feet, and a beautiful light seemed to illuminate her face. What an angel you are, cried the young duke, and he put his arm round her neck and kissed her.
the problem of the ghost has been solved, but how? And has it truly been solved? I don't know. I've not read chapter seven yet. Neither have you. And that is the final chapter. So next week's episode will be the final episode of The Canterville Ghost by Oscar Wilde. And then as a special bonus, the following Monday, I'm going to release all the chapters together in one bumper bonus omnibus, just like the archers, you see. Uh, so if you'd like to listen to it all at once, you will be able to. And then we need to decide what classic children's book I'm going to read next. So make sure you're having a little follow on my Facebook and my Instagram because I will be putting a poll up ever so shortly. And if you'd like to have a follow, you just need to find at Mama G Stories. And now, shall we hot foot it, high tail it into the book of the week? This episode's book of the week is another Mamaji classic situation where I've not read the book, but I know that this book is going to be absolutely marvellous. Uh, this book of the week is the sequel to a previous book of the week. Uh, the previous book of the week was called The Good Hawk by Joseph Elliott, and you may remember that I very much lost my mind over it. Well, this is the follow-up. Uh, the Broken Raven, uh, well, also by Joseph Elliott. And uh, I've not read it because it only came out yesterday. So January the 7th was its publication day and I've not had time to get my mitts on a copy. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you what the publisher sent me about the book and I think it's going to make it very exciting for you. Here we go. In, uh, ooh, let me start properly. Shadows are gathering over Scotia in the second book in the thrilling Shadow Sky trilogy. In a world of shadows, hope can be found. Agatha and Jamie have rescued their clan and returned home to Sky as heroes. But when Agatha uncovers a threat to their people, she unwittingly releases a terrible power that could kill every living thing on the island. Jamie must race to Scotia to hunt an ancient blood magic, which may be their only chance of survival. Meanwhile, Sigrid, a Norwegian girl with an unusual gift, journeys to the court of England, where a dangerous alliance is forming, one that will soon turn its vengeful eyes to Sky. Sigrid will have to risk everything if she and the people of Sky are to survive the gathering shadows. <gasps> dun, dun, dun! Well, you may remember, especially if you've read The Good Hawk, that it ends on quite an exquisite cliffhanger. So this is very exciting. And it sounds like this one's going to end on a bit of a cliffhanger as well. Uh, and let's see, what else do they say? What are their bullet points? Um, well, this is a very uh, exciting thing about this novel is that Agatha, who's the protagonist, which means the lead character, has Down syndrome. Uh, it's in the world that Joseph created, uh, no one knows, well, her condition doesn't have a name, making her an unusual and much needed fantasy protagonist. And actually, Down syndrome here is represented as a superpower, which of course it is. Uh, and that's uh, amazing. And Agatha's a beautiful character. Um, and let's see, what do people say about the Good Hawk? 
Holly Jackson says, so gripping and compelling that I could hardly turn the pages fast enough. Oof, blimey, Holly. Might have burnt her fingers trying to turn the pages fast. Uh, Kirkus says, a fresh and exciting debut. Very true. And Frank Cottrell Boyce says, a thrilling adventure in a beautifully imagined world. I defy you not to want to follow Agatha to the end of the known world. Ooh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to read this sequel. Um, some of you might recognize Joseph's name because he is one of the stars of CBBC's Swashbuckle. And he's currently got a sketch show on CBBC as well. And uh, if you follow what I do, then you might recognize his name because he has been a guest on this podcast. I interviewed him um, probably about nine months ago. And also he made an appearance on Mama G's Family Pride Party where he recommended some of the books that he was inspired by. So if you'd like to listen to the podcast, just scroll down and search for Mama G Meets Joseph Elliott. And you can also go to my YouTube channel and uh, watch his contribution to my Family Pride Party, which was rather marvellous. So that's my recommendation of the week, my book of the week is The Broken Raven by Joseph Elliott. It was published yesterday. It's uh, suitable for 12 years plus, and it is published by Walker Books. Well, thank you for joining me for another episode of Storytime with Mama G. Don't forget that I will be back next week with the final chapter of The Canterville Ghost by Oscar Wilde. So you really don't want to miss out on that. And in the meantime, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. Just search for at Mama G Stories. Now, uh, you can also still download Rapunzel from the Woodville, uh, no, from Woodville. .co.uk, Rapunzel being the pantomime that I was supposed to be in last Christmas, but uh, as we couldn't open the theatres, we were able to film it instead, which means that you can enjoy it from wherever you are in the world, which is very exciting. If you have watched it, then please do let me know. I'd love to know what you thought. And starting this Sunday, January the 10th, I shall be doing mm, Storytime with Mama G on Facebook Live every Sunday and Wednesday at 6 p.m. Uh, British time, which is different to your time, I imagine, unless you're in Britain, of course. Uh, you can join us on Facebook, just uh, like my page, at Mama G Stories, and you can join in with all the fun. We are hoping uh, it's going to be lots of uh, excitement, maybe have a few drop-ins from some authors, maybe uh, go and visit some different countries, read some marvellous books, who knows? I don't know. But I am terribly excited. So, uh, I will see you all next week or on Sunday. Oh, and also talking about Sunday, don't forget my Glitter Kids with Mamma G every Sunday on Glitterbeam Radio at 1pm. I'll see you soon. It's story time with Mamma G. Come and hear a story with me. Love who you want to be, who you are. Learn these lessons and we'll go far. It's story time. Story time. Story time with Mama